0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you here. I bless you, God bless you. Good to worship with you. If you're guests, we're honored to have you with us today. If you're watching by live stream, we welcome you. If you need a Bible, our ushers would put the Word of God in your hand, and then we will begin this morning in the book of Judges, chapter 2 back there in the beginning of the Old Testament, Joshua then Judges. Again, Joshua, or Judges chapter two, this is our fourth at least week here on our series on the fear of the Lord. Remember the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And so we've been over this over and over. So we're gonna look at it in a little different way again today. Uh, if you're a note taker, man, I got a jillion scriptures to go to literally. And so just hang in there with me. We'll be in Judges 2, and then we'll ultimately get to 1 Samuel 2. So to set the table a little bit here today, way back there in the beginning, Moses, he led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they loved that, that thought, what God was doing for them, but they wanted the blessings, they wanted the provisions of God, but they didn't want God. And many times in our lives, that's kind of how we are. And we have this thought that I I want you to bless me, God. And any time I have an emergency, when I call 911, I expect you to act immediately. And so what happened there, they never did get in the promised land. And then ultimately a guy named Joshua took over and they went into the promised land. But when you study that, they went through incredible battles, battle after battle after battle before they finally got there. So we pick up in the book of Judges chapter two, and this is right at the end of of uh, Joshua's life. Judges chapter two, verse seven. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Now it's interesting right there, that statement, that as long as Joshua was in charge, they served the Lord. But he didn't stop there, and he goes on and says, "'In all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua.'" So not only did they have Joshua, they had a group of elders that served God. They, they became the mentors to the next generation. And I believe part of that was that they, they didn't compromise the word, they didn't water it down, they didn't dilute the word of God, they stayed right with the word of God. And it goes on to say, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So man, this generation grew up. Say, man, we've seen God move. We've seen the, the work of God. Verse eight. Now Joshua was the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died when he was 110 years old. Now what a what a title to be on your tombstone. The servant of the Lord. But I... I don't get that, that pat on the back because of me, that I say that about myself. That comes what other people see in your life. And so it's incredible thought that this guy at 110, he had people say, there's the servant of the Lord. There's the servant of the Lord someone who lived his whole life serving God. So in verse number nine, they they bury him and we get to verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Now, when it says they did not know the Lord, it literally meant they did not acknowledge him, they did not serve him, nor did they fear him. And you will see this statement several times this morning. And so as I read this, I thought, golly, just a generation ago, and they were serving God. These were people who saw all the great things that God had done, but now nobody wants to serve God anymore. And so they turn their backs on God. And you think, that's just the generation. And so why they begin to turn their backs on God? Verse 11, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Not in the sight of man, but in the sight of the Lord. And they served the Baals, the false god, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were among them and they bowed to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. Now that's the side of God that we don't see that often. And many times we think they provoked the Lord to anger. We think that's just an Old Testament thing, but if we rewound to last week, remember in, in Romans 1:18, it talked about the anger of the Lord in the New Testament. And why did the anger of the Lord surface back there in Romans 1? Because of their ungodliness, they quit thanking God, and they suppress the truth. They got away from the Word of God. Do you want to see God's anger toward mankind? Then start living ungodly. Become people that aren't thankful and suppress the truth. Hold down the truth. I shared this on Wednesday night, and this was birthed just a little bit on last uh, Tuesday night at prayer. But you know, the Bible said, where they enter the gates with thanksgiving and the courts with praise. I don't bet you. I'm very grateful for the rain right now. Yeah. Many are grateful for the rain. So we start Tuesday night prayer with just being grateful, just giving thanks. Well, we just started giving thanks. And one of my prayers of thanks is I said this, I said, Lord, I thank you for my toothbrush. Have any of you ever thanked God for your toothbrush? And you say, why why did you do that? Well, after Tuesday night prayer, I said, man, I better clarify to this. He's crazy thanking God for his toothbrush. So I'm around a minister down in in Juarez, Mexico one one week. And he said to me, he said, I I would like for you to go with me to the nation of Cuba sometime and, and preach the gospel. And I said, well, why do you want me to go to Cuba? And he said, well, he said, you've never seen poverty until you've been in Cuba. And this guy said, I was raised on the streets of Juarez, and I've never seen poverty like I did in Cuba. So he said, when I go to Cuba, he said, I like to give all the pastors that I can $100. He said, the average wages of a pastor in Cuba is $14 a month. So he gives them $100. Can you imagine $100 to them? And he said, then I give every one of them a toothbrush. And I'm thinking with my American mentality, why would you give people a toothbrush? Because they don't have one. And he said, when I go back next year, he said, every one of those pastors that I gave that toothbrush to, they'll still have that same toothbrush because that's all they have. So when I brush my teeth, you know why I do that? Not just why I brush my teeth, but why I give thanks for that. Thank you, Father God, for a toothbrush. Thank you. And if you can't give thanks for a toothbrush, you need to have the American knocked out of you. Pastor, that hurt. Well, that's kind of loving right there. So I don't know how I got off on that, but they just quit giving thanks. And and when I become ungodly, I quit giving thanks and I suppress the truth. The first first symptom of that is I've quit fearing God. I take the things of God for granted. Same chapter, verse number 19. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and they behaved more corruptly. You know, right now in our society, have any of you ever said this? Can, can our world get any worse? It can. It can. And this is what begins to happen with a society that gets away from the Word of God and quits fearing God. So they reverted and went backwards and their fathers by following other gods to serve them to bow down to them. They did not cease from what? Their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. So they started living by their own ways and they became stubborn. And then it says in verse 20, then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and they've not heeded my voice. Psalms 25, 14, it literally said, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear me, and I will show them my covenant. But they transgressed the covenant of God. So if you read into that, you know why they transgressed that? Because they quit fearing God. And something, went, and when I quit fearing God, it begins to happen. It begins to take root, and guess what? We're not exempt from this. And I said last week, it's incredible how history repeats itself. Well, this is what begins to happen. Judges chapter three, verse seven. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, and they served the bells and the asterisks. Now, when you see they did evil in the sight of the Lord, this is a reoccurring expression. This is a pattern that you'll see over and over. Chapter four, chapter six, chapter 10, chapter 13. And, and what was the, the main thing? They forgot God. Let me ask you something, have you forgot God? Have we forgot God? And verse eight says, therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against them. So begin, we begin to see this. When I take God out of my life, God's not happy about it. And so if you study the book of Judges, which I encourage you to do, you'll find out it was one of the most chaotic times in the entire Bible. And I believe it highlights what happens when a nation, a people, and a church quit looking to God. Now, turn to the very last book of Judges, Judges 21. And the very last chapter, our very first verse is chapter 25, Judges 21, 25. And the Bible gives us incredible insight on why this is such a chaotic period. In those days, there was no king in Israel. So if there's no king in Israel, Jesus is the king. There's no God in Israel. Now listen to this. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes as he saw fit. Everyone did what was right as they saw fit. Now this was Israel's rejection of God. But I highlight something. This wasn't some pagan nation. This was Israel. So if God's word isn't my blueprint for what's right and wrong, then what's my blueprint? So let me just ask you a little question here. Where would your life be if you did everything that you thought was right in your own eyes? It's catastrophic for this guy. Better stated, if this guy lives by his own ways, he's either dead or he's in jail. So where does does my morals come from? What is the moral compass of my life? It's the Bible. But the Bible's outdated. No, the Lord said in Psalms 119 that forever his word is settled in heaven. God's word doesn't change. But the Word of God is, is, is outdated. We, we've advanced as a society, yet we've advanced in sin. But this is what happens. So we begin to get an insight why all this starts taking place and history repeats itself. We're no different. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. And so what we're doing here this morning, right now, we're doing what I call Understanding the times. So you're gonna go through the book of Ruth and you'll come right into 1 Samuel 2. I, I wish I could tell you things had changed, but they haven't. Now through this passage here I'm gonna read, I'm gonna make a statement that I believe pulls, uh, causes this to be a truth here. Everything rises and falls on leadership. When you have a godly nation, it's because of leadership. When you have an ungodly nation, it's because of leadership. When you have a godly church, it's because of leadership. When you have have a godly home, it's because you got godly mom and dad. When you have an ungodly home, it's because you got an ungodly mom and dad. So whether we like that statement or not, it's true. So we begin 1 Samuel 2 verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. Let me give you a little insight real quick. If you don't know this, Eli was the high priest. He was in charge of the tabernacle, but it says his sons were corrupt. They were scoundrels, they were lawless. They were a bunch of bad lots is what scripture talks about them. And it says they did not know the Lord, which means they did not fear him nor did they obey him. And we got a huge problem. (coughs) These were the priests. These two fellas, Hophni and Finus are over the church. And that's not a bad, uh, not a good description when the Bible says they were corrupt and they did not know the Lord. So they were priests in name, in theory. They they claim to be priests, just like many in our society. We claim to be Christians. We take on the form of Christian, but the power's denied. Only time we trust is when we lust for the apple of our eye. And so I don't know about you. I I don't want to be a Christian in name, in theory. Remember in Isaiah 29, it said, "They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me." Oof. Hmm. Same chapter, verse 17. Therefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord. What was their sin? And we live in a culture right now where people will say, you shouldn't even mention the word sin within the church. Well, maybe we ought to start calling sin what it is. And it's interesting, it said their sin was very great before the Lord. So you know what that tells me? God knew very aware, or He was very much aware of what they were doing. He saw what they were doing. And it said, for the men aboard the offerings of the Lord, they desecrated the offerings that was given for the Lord. So what happens? The people would come into the tabernacle with their offerings to give, and these two knuckleheads, you know what they do? They decide, we'll take them. We'll keep them. We'll just take the best for ourselves. Convenient, huh? But we jump to verse 22, and this thing really begins to dig in. And I'm gonna tell you right now, get ready. This this is some crazy stuff right here in the Bible. How many of you ever read the Bible and say, surely that's not in the Bible? There's some crazy things in the Bible. You know why I think crazy things are in the Bible? They're not a, a flashing yellow light for me and you. They're a red stoplight saying, you better pay attention to this. So verse 22. Now, Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. These were the priests. This is who's in charge. And it said they lay with the women. That didn't mean they were laying at the altar praying. Actually, one translation said they were sleeping with the women. Now this wasn't at the nightclub, this wasn't at a bar, this wasn't at the strip club, this was at the house of God. Sure was convenient, wasn't it? Getting wealthy off all the people, and you know what, I got a little side benefit here. I don't say that humorously, it grieves my heart to hear that. But watch what the word keeps saying here. So Eli said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of all your evil doings from all my people. I I hear all the junk you're doing. I'm aware of what you're doing. And if he's aware of what you're doing, you know what it reveals to me? That house didn't fear God. Verse 24. So, my sons, for not a good report that I hear that you make the Lord's people transgress. You make the people uh, re- rebel because of your actions and because of the way you live. Do you know the apostle Paul said, don't do anything that causes somebody else to stumble? The Apostle Paul, he was very notorious. the torso. I'm not going to do anything that would cause anybody to stumble. James 3.1 says, you don't want to be a stricter of the word of God because you will be held at a stricter judgment for not only what you speak, but your lifestyle. I know that scripture very well. Didn't bother these guys. And so what begins to happen is Eli the high priest, he knows what's going on but it's almost like him and his two sons, they wink at sin. It's okay, it's okay. And you see the pattern, the longer we go in sin and we don't think we have any consequences, we have a thought as human beings, we got away with it. That's deceptive grace. That's false grace. And so part of the problem here is Eli's the high priest. He didn't have the guts or the courage to sit them down or remove them. And you know, when you sit somebody down or you remove them in the church right now, you know what people will do most of the time? They'll leave the church. Hostal is on you. We're out of here. You know, I I have a a place in my heart for people in this house that I've had to correct and I've had to sit down and they stayed. And there was a guy in the first service and after it was over, he was walking by me and I said, you're one of those I had to correct and sit down and I said, "You have a huge place in my heart because you know what? You received the correction, and when I have the authority to set one, someone down, it isn't to punish them. It isn't to say stupid. It isn't. It's to say you need to get healed because if you're not right, you're going to lead the people into transgression too. But Eli didn't have the guts to do it." And so life goes on and, and these guys think that they're getting away with it and we go back to a couple of weeks ago. Remember in Leviticus 10 that there, the high priest was Aaron and Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, they, uh, they, they brought out the profane fire. And at that moment, they become a french fry. Remember, God killed them on the spot. There was instant judgment. But these two Yahoos. They go on and on and on and on and on, and you think, why didn't they experience instant judgment? The greater the presence of the Lord and the greater the glory of the Lord is the more swift judgment comes. But when the glory and the presence aren't there, it's like God's given them mercy, mercy, mercy. And go with me to 1 Samuel 3, verse 1, because the Bible gives us great insight on what's going on right here. Now look at this. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It didn't say that The sermons and the messages were rare. It said the Word of God was rare. See, there's a huge difference between the Word of God and a sermon and a message. And so we got to stay with the Word of God. And so when the Word of God is rare, look what happens here. There was no widespread revelation. God didn't reveal himself. So when I look at this and I think about the Word of God being rare, Proverbs 6 says the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So without the Word of God, what's your lamp or what's your light? What are you basing your life upon? Mankind will goof you up real quick. Just look at our society. How about this? The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the Lord Jesus' analogy right there was this, that as the human body without food, you're going to die spiritually without spiritual food. The B-I-B-L-E. You're going to starve to death spiritually. The word of God was rare in those days. Same chapter. Look with me in verse 13. I want you to pay close attention to this. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever. This is what the Lord's saying to to Eli. I'm gonna judge your house forever. What for? For the iniquity which he knows. You know what the definition of an iniquity is? It's prolonged sin and he said, You know, you know, Eli, you know what's going on, and you turned your back to it. The iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile, and he didn't restrain them. So now we start seeing the issues within the church. Do you know what I believe with all my heart? We're no different. I'm not perfect. When sin shows up, I must repent of it. I must keep my heart right. Do you know one of the men after the first service said to me, he said, Pastor, I've learned a lot of the word of God in my life being here. But he said, the greatest attribute I've learned here is to repent. You know, the Lord said in 1 John 1, 9, If... I got an old saying with the word if. If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a merry Christmas we'd have. I go ahead and tweet that one out, okay? If you confess your sin, God said I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If. And I want you to go with me into the New Testament to the book of Matthew chapter 24. So as you're turning there, when the Word of God is rare, so will His presence be rare. And when I see the stuff on the Word of God, what would happen with the church if we would just keep the main thing the main thing? We're called to preach the Word, we're called. So we get to Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus' disciples said to him, they said, Lord, tell us about your second coming and what it'll be like at the end of the age. Now the Lord Jesus didn't look at him and say, there's no hell, Phyllis.' He didn't say everybody gets to heaven. He uses the word many over and over and over and over. And he says many religious deceptions, many social and political unrest, many calamities, many disloyalties, many persecutions. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but for your reading, start in Matthew 24 and start in verse 3. I'm going to start in verse 11 today for time's sake. Then many, there you go again, many false prophets will rise up. Not a few. Many will multiply. One translation says this. Many lying preachers. That hurts because I'm a preacher. I don't want to be identified in that. How do you stay away from being a lying preacher? Preach the word. Stay with the word. Many lying preachers will rise up. And what will they do? They will deceive many. Not a few, many. They will lead many into error. And it's interesting because if you went back with me to verse four, the very first thing he says as this end time will be marked by deception, people will become deceived. You want to be deceived proof? Get in the Word. Stay with the word of God. Mark down scriptures. You want to keep the mosquitoes off you? Buy your can of off. You want to keep deception off of you? Stay in the work. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, it will multiply lawlessness which is wickedness will become excessive to an extraordinary measure there will be no standard for morals and if you were here last week we got over in this in in genesis 6 with noah that he specifically said in that time lawlessness begin to abound history repeats itself you think lawlessness is abounding right now I do. So he said lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. The hearts that once burned with passion for God will grow cold. Now listen real close. The love of many will grow cold. You know what that tells me? That in order for their heart to grow cold. At one time, their heart had to be hot. Uh Uh-oh. Let me ask you a question. Does that describe me right now? Do I still have the passion for God that I used to? Has my love for the things of God grown cold? And you know how the love of God is expressed? See, it's very easy for us to say, I love God, I love God, I love God. And if you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about the man of God, Jim Baker, who got in all the trouble. The minister said to him, when did you stop loving God? And he said, I never quit loving God. I just stopped fearing him. But how is the love of God shown? John 14, 15, the Lord Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So when I love him, I obey him, and I obey him because I fear him. Hmm. Verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Listen to the definitions of the word endure right here. To hold one's ground in conflict, to bear up against adversity, to hold out under stress, to stand firm and persevere under pressure. So is what you just said or what we just read? It's not gonna be smooth sailing all the time. Many years ago, me and Shelly were asked to marry a couple on the Guadalupe River outside of San Antonio. So we go down and marry him right there, and great event. And all the family starts leaving, and the new husband and wife said, You know what our dream is? We said, What's that? And they said, We want you and Shelly to ride the rapids, the river with us today on a raft. I thought, Peculiar. It's quite a honeymoon experience. So I looked at Shelly and said, you up for that? And she said, I'm in. So we go get the raft and the guy said, I can't, I can't rent you a raft unless you have a guide. And I said, well, why do we need a guide? And he said, cause five people have died on that river this weekend. And I went from Oh Happy Day to son of a Bendigo. I was like, oh Jesus what we get into? <laughs> so we get on that raft and I told Shelly, I said, listen dear, I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but if anything goes down, you leech onto me, you grab onto me, okay? Hang on, okay? So we get going and then it's, it's, it's pretty smooth. It's so smooth, I said to the guy, I said, can I jump out and swim? He said, absolutely. So man, I'm just out there swimming in the river and we're going along. And all of a sudden he said, get in the boat. And then he said, get in the boat. And then he said, get in the boat. <laughs> I'm slinging my leg up and so I get in the boat. And all of a sudden I hear, I can hear the rapids. And we come around the corner and I'm looking, oh Jesus. And I said to Shelly, grab on me if something happens. And so we get close and you know what? He starts yelling, paddle, paddle, paddle. And then he starts saying, paddle, paddle. And we're spinning around. I'm thinking, oh Lord, help us, help us, help us. And we get out and we keep going down. And I thought, this wasn't the lazy river I thought we were getting into. So we keep cruising on. And then all of a sudden, I, I can hear this next one. And I mean this this is the Goliath when I mean it, it is crazy loud crazy loud and the guy looks at us and says listen you guys got to pay attention right here and I said why and he goes this is where they're dying <laughs> now, I shouldn't ask him this but I said how are they dying he said he said, it sucks them under. And see all those trees lying under? They go under those trees and they drown to death. I said, non, Jesus, non, nope. <laughs> so we start going through there. And I mean, it is tense. He is screaming, paddle, paddle, paddle. I paddled so hard, man. I was having cramps in my calves and everything. <laughs> Why do not I tell you that story? Because life's not a lazy river. Some some days, some weeks, it may be smooth sailing. But there's going to be seasons in your life when all hell breaks loose. And the Lord says, Paddle! And I don't know if you've ever heard the authoritative word where He yells, Paddle! The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. One of Joshua's heart's cry was, hold oh, fast to the word of God. Hang on to the word of God. The lazy river seasons, hang on to the word of God. When you get into the storm, hang on to the word of God. Stay with the things of God. And I believe it will move within us, this reverential fear of God, where I know, Lord, I need your help today. Grace me today. Why not you stand up here with me? sometimes I get around people outside of the the pulpit and I've had people say you're you're a different person when you're outside of that pulpit I said yeah personality I'm an ass I'm pretty chill but when I get into this pulpit you know what I realize?" We're not playing for a three-day weekend in Cancun. We're playing for eternity. And I know there's teachings right now that say, there's no hell, there's a hell. And there's teachings that everybody's gonna make it. Not everybody's gonna make it. But I ask you to bow your head right now and You know, in heaven, there won't be a bunch of grandkids. There'll just be a bunch of kids. You know why I say that? Because nobody gets grandfathered in. I don't care how good your grandma was and how good your dad was and how good Uncle Buck was. The Lord gives every one of us the opportunity to say, I want my name registered in heaven. And thank God it's not about how good or bad you've been, it's all about what Jesus did and whether you choose today to accept what Jesus did or not. So just plain and simple right now, if you've never received Jesus as Lord of your life, or maybe you've run from him. You know, our God is loving. He's slow to anger. He's merciful. He's gracious. But if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus as Lord of your life, or you question, the same thing was they didn't know him. Do you know Jesus in a general term, but I really don't know him? If That's you today. I welcome you just to get out of your seat and come down here. We're going to lead you in a prayer where you'll see biblically, God still saves. It's Romans 10, 9 and 10, where I'd take you. I just ask you to bow your head right there where you're at then. You know, a couple of weeks ago I talked about to come in here casually. And I repented. I said, Lord, I don't want everyone to come in here casually again. And I'm just like you. I'm I'm not perfect. Just just because I have a title, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. But I will repent when I need to repent. It's part of my daily vitamin. I, I repent and I keep my heart right. so I I welcome you just right there where you're at if you feel comfortable raising your hands you don't have to but I I just want to lead you through this where this isn't just a Sunday experience but I believe repentance and forgiveness are our our greatest daily vitamins and Father God we stand before you right now and Lord if there's sin in our life that we haven't confessed to you and repented. Lord, we, we, we repent right now. I repent of sin. Whether it's the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh, the pride of, Lord, we repent. And Father God, of this thing called transgressions that I, I've rebelled against you. Lord, I repent of that. And Lord, if there's Prolonged sin in my life, iniquities. Lord, we repent of that. And Father God, we, we don't turn a, a deaf ear to you in this. We don't, we don't wink at our sin. But Father God, you would move right here. And I think even through repentance that not only do you forgive us and cleanse us, but Lord, I pray right now that the spirit of the, the, the fear of God would come back in here. As we stand before you, I I pray today that you would create within every one of us an appetite for the Word of God. Lord, we're hungry for the Word of God to to not only hear the Word of God, but to live by it, to obey it. You know, I know that was a mouthful, but I'm going to have our praise and worship team sing right here. Maybe you want a fresh consecration on your life today. That just means to purify you. But I'm coming here. I, I need to be purified. I believe God's wanting to do something here. So I welcome you just to yield to Him today. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.